0: Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we want to help you be more successful. And today's guest is Steve Hess. He's CIO at UC Health. Welcome, Steve. Hey, thanks for having me today, John. Yeah, so excited to, to learn from you and about UCL. So tell us a little bit about yourself in UC Health. Yeah, UC Health, the University of
1: Colorado Health is a, a fairly new system. We were formed in 2012. We're a combination of the academic medical center in Colorado and several large community hospitals. And we've grown to be 12 over the years, a little bit less than wow. 2,000 beds, a four, 4.2 million ambulatory visits. So a growing system in the state of Colorado. We do have a presence in southern Wyoming
0: and, and western Nebraska, but mostly in the state of Colorado. Wow. So today's topic is mostly focused around AI. What do you see as the future of AI? And and we'll throw in machine learning as well in healthcare. What does that look like and what what will be the impact of it? Is it kind of a nice to have or is it like a must have?
1: Yeah, my perspective is that it's a must have. And some of the journey of UC Health, I think, is pretty telling for others as well. So, we implemented our, our integrated EHR from an enterprise perspective back in 2011. And as UC Health was formed, we expanded that integrated EHR across the new enterprise of UC Health. So, we have a common IT platform across the enterprise. And we've been in that situation since 2013. So my perspective is that IT platform, that enterprise platform is really integral to how large complex healthcare systems can actually become more efficient, create economies of scale, and create a common language for all the nurses and doctors and patients across your footprint. That transactional EHR is only gonna get you so far though. And we have, we have the best, you know, one of the best, if not the best EHR out there. But the reality is, is if you implement that EHR and don't think about turning all that data into actionable information, it's only going to help you so much. So you Mm. have to take all that transactional data, start to collate it and make it make sense for those doctors, those nurses, those operational folks. So you spend a lot of time focusing on what I'll call descriptive analytics, which means what happened yesterday, last week, last month, last quarter. You then have to start to make that journey towards the predictive analytics of what do we think is going to happen tomorrow based upon what happened yesterday and today. And then you need to make that leap to prescriptive analytics where you start to use all of your data, the past, the experiences, all the variables, and start to actually not just lay out what's going to happen, but here's what you should do as a doctor, a nurse, an operator to impact that that destiny. So I think that journey from the transactional HR to descriptive analytics, predictive analytics, to prescriptive analytics is a journey that everybody needs to go on. Now that you only get to the predictive and prescriptive, frankly by implementing world-class next-generation intelligence. And a lot of that's going to come from machine learning
0: and AI. Hmm. Interesting. So I like the description of the evolution. And and many organizations are still just doing... I would say analytics on on some basic transactional data, right? Uh, But moving to that predictive and prescriptive is is a good way to evaluate where you are in the journey. Very interesting. What should organizations be doing now to kind of embrace uh, this technology and this opportunity to move up the AI scale, if you will, uh, and, and to make that a reality in their organization?
1: Yeah, I think obviously the first step is to make sure you do have that enterprise IT platform in place. And if you've not made a decision to go with a single vendor, you do then need to figure out how to bring all that data together. So it's not in the, the silos that may be locked into disparate best of breed systems. So that's kind of create the level playing field of your IT architecture and your data. I do think the next step, though, is to really have your IT analytics in good shape. Now, what i mean by that is that you know one of the first steps is that you create a bunch of reports Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when we first implemented our enterprise ehr we had over a half a million reports (laughs) some of those were out (laughs) of the box from the vendor some of those were we took from legacy systems some of those were ones that we've created as we made the transition to a single ehr vendor we actually we step back and look at the utilization of the half, half million reports and what we were seeing was over half of them were being used one or zero times. Wow. Let me say it again. One or zero times. So half a million reports, many of which were out there, they worked, and they were not being used. Because a lot of the time it's either you know they the operational teams moved on to something else or sure. Um, You know, the way we built it was misaligned with what they were expecting. Mm. They didn't have time to QA or test it or whatever. But it was clear to me that we weren't doing what the organization needs. So single IT platform, you have to get your analytics in place. But then what you have to do is stop being report writers and start getting into this analytics space. The most important thing we did, probably circa 2016 or so, was really partner with our operational teams and brought them to the table. What I was seeing is this disconnect between a a radiology leader's request and what the IT team, analytics team, did to fulfill it. There was this, again, a gap of requirements against deliverables. So we really looked at almost as a three-legged stool. The operational team was one leg. The IT analytics piece was another leg. And then eventually, what was emerging was this need for data science more Mm of the ML, AI, the mathematical, the statistical part of it. What's also interesting is, you know, probably again, circa 2016, we looked hard at what our core competencies were. And while Colorado is a beautiful state, that we knew that we couldn't compete with the, you know, the right coast and the left coast of the United States for talent. Mm -hmm. And so we probably wouldn't be able to attract the talent we probably won't be able to retain them and so we actually made some decisions around let's go find external partners who can help us build that data science ml ai like path and that's where you know partnerships with companies like lean toss were formed where we really did not feel we could home grow that talent to the degree that we needed to and we need to be able to show what white looks like to those operational teams so that success begets success. Let's focus on some of these things, maybe some lower hanging fruit in the machine learning AI space, show what that looks like, show what the operational engagement commitment needs to look like, and then actually show the results of being able to implement these things. And now everybody's coming to the table saying, I want one of those. I want (laughs) want to do that with my project. And it's been very, very
0: powerful. Interesting. Well, you mentioned a number of things that let's dive into a few of them in a little more detail. First is that all the data scientists need to visit Colorado because I think they'd probably (laughs) want to live there a lot more, but you know, that, that, you know, with this remote workforce, maybe they'll start, you know, understanding that, but that, I mean, how self-aware of you to realize that and to to understand that was part of your strategy that, you know, kudos to you there. But I want to dive into the idea of having an enterprise, you know, solution with most of the data I know you see health enough I've interacted with you enough to know you are very EHR centric in your rolling out solutions not wanting a lot of add-ons wanting to leverage the EHR as much as possible It, it sounds like that was a huge advantage for you and prevented some silos or is there still a need you know I mean you still have the ERP you may have I don't know lab system pharmacy you know lots of like did it help you in that problem of making sure the data was available to do the analytics in AI, or are you still kind of stuck in some silos that are important to bridge across? You know, I think we're always going to be stuck in some silos
1: because, frankly, some of the ML AI needs data that's actually not owned or hosted by us. So think social determinants of health or external yeah, communications true. or claims data and so on. So there's always going to be some element of that. But, you know, John, what we did was we made a very deliberate pact with ourselves, essentially, that said we are going to use what the EHR vendor provides whenever possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So why not the enterprise EHR solution? But there are going to be times when that's not possible, whether it's because of functionality, like ERP, like you mentioned, or be just because the maturity of the intelligence is not there. But every step along the way, our guiding principle was keep the docs in the EHR, keep the nurses in the EHR, keep the rev folks and HIM folks in the HR, and keep the patients in our mobile app, right? Yes. So even if we did have pockets of, of, of silos of data, we did the work to bring it back into the native workflow of those folks. So they don't even know that they may not be using the native vendor that hosts our EHR. Right yeah so it's you know it's a really important that whether it's decision support intelligence or vital sign data that's coming in Q one minute to feed our algorithms it all needs to come back to the workflow of the people doing the job and so don't make them sign on to something else. Yeah,
0: no, I I mean, I would give kudos to UC Health for having that vision and sticking to it more than any other vendor I've seen in the industry. So it's definitely part of the culture and DNA that's been created there. Uh, You know, I've seen that firsthand. So, you know, it's interesting you talk about, you know, challenges of bringing in AI you know, professionals to your team, how do you evaluate that kind of internal effort and, hey, this needs to be a core competency of our organization versus working with partners? You mentioned Lean Toss. I imagine there's maybe other partners since Lean Toss does some very specific things very well, but you know, I'm sure you're doing AI outside of what they're able to do. So how do you balance that kind of internal effort versus working with partners?
1: Yeah, I mean it's a great question. I'm not sure there's a perfect clear scientific answer here. We you know, obviously we focus on the priorities of the organization. So that's that's step one, right? Our goals within IT, our annual IT plan cascades directly down from the quality plan or the strategic plan so mm-hmm. everything that we do in IT is directly connected to an organizational enterprise goal so that's step one by the so way that's a theme common. of our
0: podcast i think every cio that i've talked to has described it that way every every good one and successful has said it's all about the strategic plan so it's it's, it's interesting to hear you say it again <laughs> yeah and,
1: and so what that really means then is that your it platform is used to prevent falls is used to prevent pressure injuries, is used to prevent mortality, unnecessary transfers, improve the value of the care and so on, which is, which is like that. that's really, really, really important to say out loud that your IT platform is a strategic asset to, to move the needle. So when we have a project like, hey, we need to re- really reduce falls, we actually go deep on what's in the EHR What do we have already? What needs to be done to help the nurses to to assess fall risk better, easier? Of take some of the judgment out of their hands when possible while not taking all the clinical decision making away from them. And does the EHR vendor have algorithms? Do we actually have experts on campus within the enterprise, within the University of Colorado that can actually do some of this? Or do we need to turn to an external partner who's actually done this, been there, done that? So I would say it always starts with here's the project, here's what we need, here's the problem statement. We have the EHR expertise. We are really good at building out the EHR, understanding how to get data in and out, how to make the connection through APIs. We don't have those data scientists. We don't actually always have the subject matter expertise around a clinician who actually understands how to solve this problem. And that's when we typically say, we don't have it. Let's look for that external partner who's been there, done that. Now, John, I think what's also important is that we also have an innovation arm. Mm -hmm. So we have an investment fund over here hundred million dollars where it's a, it's a board subcommittee that allows us to say, you know what? No one solved this problem before. Let's actually partner with somebody, prove out that it actually could work, prove out that it actually could work for others outside of UC Health and potentially even make that investment in them to give them some seed money and then build it out, scale it together. So that's the other aspect of, of what we've done here. That's probably not in everybody's wheelhouse. Not at everybody's disposal, but we describe innovative solutions as others have done it. We haven't. We're on the early adopter phase. So like we take advantage of something that's already been created somewhere else, but we're just early versus innovation where no one else has done it and we help somebody else create it and it solves our problem. So unlike maybe some others where innovation or innovative is, is like staying in a lab somewhere and never sees the light of day. We bring all that innovation to the point of care through all of our EHR integration.
0: Yeah, you're right that not everyone can do that. Although there has been some success. Providence proved it. UPMC has proven yep. it, right? Sinai, uh, right? There's, there's a number of them yep. who've done that model successfully. So it's, it's great to see you working on it. Are there some areas of innovation that you think the EHR is not going to touch? I mean, are there any areas where you're like, you, you know, the EHR obviously has a vast number of things they could do and they have to choose, right? I mean, we all have yeah. limited resources. Are there some areas that you're like, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, obviously timekeeping, is, 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 you know, I don't know. Are there some other areas you're looking at that you're like, oh, these might be interesting areas that, you know, maybe we're going to go outside the EHR to do.
1: It, you know, it's a great question. I, I would say that that's actually not how we think about things. What we have okay. to do is say, what is the core competence that transaction HR? I, you know, our, our vendor is, is world-class and our vendor tends to, when they put their mind to it, hit home runs. Mm-hmm. But what I see is they may hit a home run on a user interface piece, but they're not quite hitting a home run on the intelligence piece yet. So when you're trying to like compare, hey, your EHR vendor has this really cool dashboard to look at capacity or predict OR utilization or whatever, the user interface may actually look at the exact same as the third party, the external partner. The UI may look the same. Right. But what people lose sight of is that it's not about the UI alone, it's about the intelligence, what's actually happening behind the scenes and the accuracy and the maturity of some of the predictions and the, the ML AI. And so that's kind of where we see John where the enterprise EHRs they keep getting better. But the external partners actually get better at a faster pace than the enterprise EHRs can. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's important for CIOs and others to not just look at the pretty dashboards in the UI, but really look at the intelligence. And I often say that sometimes the EHR vendors can produce stuff that's based upon high school math and the third parties are producing you know, graduate level statistics calculus. Yeah. And that's, that's really important. The, and but they'll both improve over time, too. But you know the intelligence vendors, the third parties, I think will continue to be able to pr- improve at, at a pace that it, that exceeds what the EHR vendor can do.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. So as we wrap up, we always like to end with some career advice, career perspective. Uh, what skills do you think a CIO should be developing to kind of lead this new AI powered frontier that we're headed towards?
1: Yeah, there's actually two things here, uh, and I have been very fortunate. I've been very fortunate um, in my career to have people that helped mentor me, help um, you know allow me to, to break out of my box and so on. So I would say the first the first career advice goes way back. I I, I knew what I wanted to be when I was 15, John, which which is not a. You know that's not typical nor does it have to be a recipe for for success but but by doing that i went to school for what i thought i would do and then i got into healthcare really pretty early in my career and i proceeded to do like 12 jobs over 10 years right same organization same organization but you know 12 jobs so i was working on back then because i'm old vax vms and then i was like with unix with uh, an interface engine i Microsoft SQL Server. I just did all these different jobs. Uh And while the technology has changed dramatically, I know what it takes to be a database administrator. I know what it takes to be an interface engineer. I know what it takes to work on the help desk because I've been there, done that. So by doing all those things, I now have an appreciation for all the people on my team and what they do and how I can help them. Like I wouldn't have if I came up through something else. So be brave take chances, do lots of jobs and and learn, right? So that's probably the first piece. I would say the second piece is more late stage. And what what you're seeing now, probably from me, from others, is that, you know, I would say 10% of my job right now is being a CIO. 10%. Wow. So a lot of a lot of my job now is working with external partners, like the lean tosses of the world and so on. But you know, in in essence, by having this enterprise IT platform, we're becoming almost de facto COOs for large systems. Hmm. So it's because it's just ITs and just embedded in everything that yeah,
0: we do. it's integrated with everything. Yeah. That's and so reality. you can may have
1: a CEO or a CFO, or even a local COO who's kind of responsible for their local hospital or a region, but sure. no one's really kind of on the stilts looking at the maze from above, right? And CIOs um, can do that. Now, the CIOs are still worried about going to the cloud. They still have their data centers with their servers and they love doing tours of their data center. (laughs) They may never be that, but that's okay too. That's okay too, right? I'm not looking down on them, but there's an opportunity here with the large health systems, CIOs who, you know, implemented IT platforms to do way more than just traditional CIO. And it's so much fun, you know, getting out of bed each day and making the lives of the doctors and nurses better and easier and bringing, you know, digital front doors to our patients. That is so exciting, right? And, yep, like absolutely. it's, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be more than a traditional CIO.
0: Yeah, you're a nerd like me that loves that operational stuff and how it impacts operations. That's, That's exactly right. That's right. <laughs> it's amazing. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Steve, for uh, taking part in uh, the CIO podcast. And thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for the CIO podcast by Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcasting application. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, John. I really enjoyed it.